Hey, this is Less Parent on Purpose, a podcast for parents who want to thrive and not just survive their parenting years. My name's Jay Holland, and today joining me are two student ministry veterans, Curtis Burnham and Chrisman Kochek. We have a conversation on discipleship in the home, modeling the same way that Jesus discipled his disciples. And that turned out really well, so shooting your house too. All right, so hi everybody. It's good to have you guys here today, and I am here with two of my good friends, uh, colleagues that I have served with in Martin County in, in Florida for the last six, seven years or so. Um, Curtis Burnham, how are you today? I'm doing great. Good. Curtis, would you give just a quick background of who you are, um, what you're involved in, and how you have any kind of expertise as a parent? <laughs> well, um, uh, I've been doing youth ministry for about 30 plus years. Wow. I have four kids, um, and three of them are in college, one's in high school. And I have been uh, work with a ministry called Rain Ministries, and we do missions trips and youth ministry training all over Latin America and mission trips all over the world. Wow. Well, also an adoptive father. And also adoptive and, father, yep. Yeah. And have a pretty good wife on top of awesome that, Awesome right? wife yeah. on top of all that. Great. And Chrisman, good to have you again. A uh, little bit of quick bio on you. Yes, um, I'm a youth pastor down the road. I'm uh, good friends with Jay. Curtis, actually, ironically, Curtis is the elder at the church that I serve at, so we get to hang out together a lot. And I have a great wife for the past seven years, and um, a little guy who is a year and a half. So that's fun. I'm new to this whole parenting thing. Yeah, <laughs> so. it, it only gets easier as you go along. You master that first year and a half. You're, it's just downhill. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's downhill from there. The rest of the way. Yeah, oh, down, man. <laughs> like sometimes plummeting downhill. <laughs> Um, so I, I asked these guys to come on because they uh, we our last Youth Leader Network meeting before Christmas, um, I asked all of the different ones there what books they would recommend um, reading, and, and they recommended one pretty highly, and I was able to read it over my trip to India recently called Four Chair Discipling. Is it Four Chair Discipling or Four Chair Discipleship? Four Chair Disciple Making, I think. Okay. Hold um, on. Let me look. Man, let me look. I, Four chair discipling. Four chair discipling. Yeah. All right, the book here, right hold, here. Hold that up to the microphone. So yes, yeah. so everybody can hear the knowledge. <laughs> okay. Um, and who's it by? Because you just covered the book again, Chris. Oh, it's uh, author Dan Spader. Okay. I'll put a link in our uh, in our Let's Parent on Purpose blog. There, highly recommend it. And the best part about well, there's a lot of great things. One of them is that it's a short read. I basically read it on my airplane flight over and back. Um, but these guys recommended it and have actually been trained um, by, is it Sun Life Ministries? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Curtis, give me a, a quick background on just an overview of what this concept for share disciple making is. Well, basically the idea was um, Dan, Dan, when he started this, he was a youth pastor and he was studying at Moody and he was doing youth ministry and he was just like, okay, how did Jesus do ministry? Mm -hmm. Okay, we're trying to do ministry. We're trying to reach students. How did Jesus do it? How did he develop a, a ministry? So he basically took the life of Christ chronologically and started going through the life of Christ and saying, okay, what did Jesus do? And as he started looking, um, Jesus was very intentional what he was trying to accomplish and mm -hmm making disciples and that was his number one mission was to make disciples to multiply himself and so the concept behind the, uh, the book is to communicating how jesus went through different phases phase one phase two phase three phase four and those are the four chairs okay of making a disciple making ministry that would de 
would work in the lives of his disciples and that they would multiply themselves thousands of years later. Okay. And here we sit today talking about this. Right, right. Crispin, what are the four chairs? So the four chairs, um, I'll just do it really fast, and hopefully if you get the book, this will make a lot more sense. Okay. And I get no money if you buy the book, but you should buy it. Man, I, I actually probably will get 15 cents if you buy the book, so <laughs> buy a lot right. of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the four chairs are, um, there's four concepts. I will use the, the biblical n- words because I feel like they make more sense. Okay. Someone who's in chair one is someone who is lost or unbelieving does not yet know Jesus all right someone who's in chair two would be considered a believer Uh so in between those chairs they met Jesus all right Um, someone who's in chair three would be what's considered a worker Mm -hmm. uh, which means you believe in Jesus and now you're trying to apply discipleship principles into your everyday life okay Um, you have been discipled and now you have the mindset of wow there's people that need to be discipled around me and you Mm -hmm. start to start to build that concept. And then chair four um, is someone who is going and bearing fruit. And really, that is just where you're pouring into somebody and you notice, wow, I'm pouring into this person and now they're actually pouring into somebody else. And that's the multiplication aspect. And the four invitations to those people, the invitation in chair one, someone that's lost, Mm -hmm. say, hey, just come and see who Jesus is. Come check him out. The invitation to someone who's a believer is, hey, follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. What does it look like when Jesus says, follow me? And then chair three invitation um, is somebody who's who's saying, hey, um, I have to look at my paper right now because I forgot the chair three invitation (laughs) was uh, fish for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fish for people. Notice the world around you. And then chair four is to go and bear fruit and be a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. So, And Curtis, you said that this is how Jesus did ministry. Can you, can you give just kind of a quick example of what you mean that this is the way that Jesus yeah. did ministry? Yeah. If you look at Christ, the life of Christ, a lot of times when we read the, uh, the life of Christ, when we read the gospels, we kind of look at the content and we study the content and, and we, we evaluate, um, but, but when you take and look at the life of Christ and you look at the context and you look at the method, what the methodology, what did Jesus do? What was he trying to accomplish? How did he go about doing it and why? It all starts coming together. You start making sense with what Jesus did and why he did it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we, the questions are, why was Jesus doing this? Well, there was a purpose behind it. So, for example, I'll kind of walk you through each one of these okay. really quickly. But, for example, if you go to John chapter 1, in that first bit... Jesus is baptized by John. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, we see Andrew and I'm drawing a blank. Andrew and I think it was Philip. Um, yeah, Andrew and Philip. They mm-hmm. saw this, and Jesus saw them, and he said, "Hey, come and see where I'm staying." They asked him, "Master, where do you stay?" He invited them to their home. He started building a relationship with them. They got to know Jesus. Well, he said, "Hey." Um, Andrew went and told his brother Peter, Simon, Simon, guess what? I met Jesus the Messiah. Um, Philip went and told Nathaniel, and Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Mm-hmm. And and so Jesus then approaches these guys, and he invites them over time to follow him. Now, in this first following him, it was more about getting to know me. The mm-hmm. whole idea of Christmas said, come and see. Um, that And so that first phase for Jesus' ministry was, I'm going to just get to know people, build relationships, let them get to know me, and invite them to follow me. Mm-hmm. Then we see that Jesus from there takes it a step further to, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay. I'm going to take you somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
And, and um, from that point forward, the disciples start following Jesus. They recognize that he has the words of eternal life. And, and so then they start following Jesus. And Jesus takes them to the next day. And says, now, I'm going to take you on some ministry trips with me. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that in Luke chapter 3 where he takes them, um, Luke chapter 8 and 9, we see it in 10. He takes them on ministry trips with him, and he sends them out also on ministry trips to equip them and to prepare them for what was going to come next in their ministry down the line when he would say, hey, now, as a, as a father sent me, now I'm sending you guys to go do the same thing. Hmm. And the whole idea behind that is to bear fruit okay it's to bear fruit to go out and make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples and to multiply themselves so that's how we see this lived out and that's just a, a abbreviated sure. version, yeah, yeah. obviously but this works uh, in so many ways we can take and contextualize this to our personal family mm-hmm. contextualize it to the culture i use this in latin america and i contextualize it to the culture that they're in and, and you don't have to have a program with it. It's just living out the life of Christ uh-huh. through these different phases. So how is this different? I, I ultimately want to talk about this on a family level, but just thinking because we're church guys. Um, how is this different than the approach that you often see in in a church context? I would say, um, boy, that's a good question. Um, and I would say the biggest difference would be that um, a lot of times in a church context, we, and I can say this because I've been a youth pastor yeah. for a plethora of years, um, but we, we look at the, how do we program this? Mm-hmm. How do we put this in a program so that we can develop, quote, good Christian kids, for example? Right. And so what we do is we start teaching how to behave like a Christian. We start teaching them all the how-tos. Uh-huh. Um, what this is doing is you're walking them through chair one, chair two, chair three, chair four. You're trying to move them along somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if it took Jesus three and a half years to accomplish this, this is where in our American culture we get impatient. We want to create a program that's only going to take six weeks. Now, and let me say on top of that, three and a half years when you're fully God and fully man doing everything fully in the power of the Holy Spirit and these guys are like living with you. They're they're yeah. walking with you. They're eating, breathing. Yeah. So I, I think even back to that follow me statement, um, there's a commitment level when he, the come and see is just come and check out. But the follow me is, it, there's a commitment level there because yeah. in order to follow Jesus, you had to leave something yeah. to follow Jesus. You did. Um, so, you know, they left their nets. They left their families. They left the tax collecting yeah. booth. Uh, there, there was a lot on the line. Yeah, there was a cost. Yeah, even yeah. before starting to do ministry yeah. Yeah. in there. Um, but yeah, I think that's such a good point. You're not talking about a quick fix. And you know, one of the things in, in churches a lot of times, it's like, how do we have the simplest program or poss- process to get the most number of people in yeah. here and through here? And and you just cannot mass produce disciples. No, yeah. no, you can't. And the thing that Jesus did is Jesus did not go to how who where, how can I get the most numbers, and for the sake of the multitudes, mm-hmm. he went with a few. Yeah, knowing that the few, when their lives were transformed and they were equipped and ready to go, they would continue that on. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I, just to add exclamation point on that, if you have, um, you know, even in a family aspect. If you have one thing, one event that you do to try and accomplish discipleship, disciple making, it's first of all, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it just it takes time. And if you have a church of a hundred people, 
and you pour into them and teach them how to actually pour into somebody else. If you're going to look at the big picture, that's way more effective yeah. because you can only fit a certain amount of people right. in your church building. You can only have so many services and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. So I, I read this book uh, first from the context of, of a youth pastor. How does it affect my ministry? And truthfully, like there was some challenges in thinking about it like that because of what we said about Jesus. Jesus walked with these guys. Like I can't tell everybody to quit going to school yeah. and then come hang out hang in out my office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that there's a specific group of people that I'm in a relationship with mm-hmm. that is much more like that. And that's the people in my household. And so I, I wanted to kind of turn this conversation and say, what are some some ways and principles that, uh, assuming that I'm a disciple of Jesus as a parent, how can I um, maybe apply some of these principles in my household with, in a sense, this these uh, these captive disciples that I have? And you know, I've got God willing, quite a few years with them. You know, even if you know my my oldest kid is a sophomore in in high school, um, so we've got two and a half years left at home, and it's going to go really fast, but. Hey, Jesus had three years with his disciples. So like, there's still a lot of time to do things. What are some different ways that you, you can see, uh, how a parent could be strategic about these in, in their own household? Hmm. Well, Kristen, you want to go first? You want me to go? (laughs) I was was going to let the professor go first. I always start with this and and this has been my wife and I, Uh um, it starts with this, and Jesus said, "He told, Jesus said, and John says this in First John. He says to walk as Jesus walked, uh-huh. and 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 we are called to to walk as Jesus walked. And what that means is that we are supposed to walk in the pattern that Jesus walked. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to this earth, and He modeled for us what it looked like to dependent on the to be dependent on the Father and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we see that Jesus did that, and He lived that out for His disciples to see." But I also believe he did that so that we could all see that. Yeah. And so the first thing as a parent to, to make the, to embrace this and live the, to, to make this real in your life and for your kids, it starts as the parent. Huh. Yeah. Okay, if Jesus is modeling this for his disciples, then that means God's called me as a father to model this for my children. So the first come and see is not take your kids to church so that somebody can teach them about Jesus and learn the Bible stories. It's, It's, I I have to reflect these things in in my own home. And I have to live it out so that, um, I'll give you a great illustration. Travis, our oldest, was probably, I don't know, maybe three years old, maybe two. And one day Jen walks into the living room and there's Travis. He's got Jen's Bible open and he's got this Hmm. marker and he is scribbling (laughs) all over her Bible with her highlighter. And he goes, look, mommy, I'm doing my Bible study. <laughs> and Jen could not get upset with him. Oh. It was like Travis was getting it at yeah. the age of two and three because Travis had seen me and Jen doing our quiet times every day. Um, you know, that was part of our routine of our uh-huh. life. He was just copying what Jen did. That's she great. highlighted her Bible and he saw her doing that. And he was doing his Bible study, oh. <laughs> highlighting her, scribbling all over her Bible. <laughs> That's awesome. So I tell you that because... That's the way the kid. It starts with our right. modeling that for our kids. Yeah, I mm-hmm. we we do a kids camp every summer, and I remember the first year that my boys were allowed to go to kids camp, and uh, my son. So he was just five years old or six years old, and I remember because I was going to go with them, and I was telling like we're going to stay in these dorms, and everybody will be together, and I remember him asking, he's like, Dad, but where will you do your Bible study in the morning? And <laughs> 
and it's funny because like I'm typically nobody's awake when I'm doing it, but a lot of times my my one son is an early riser, so he'll roll out of bed and come cuddle with me while while I'm doing it. And there was enough of an impression, and man, I've got a lot of things wrong as a parent, but there was enough of impression on him that he associated. Tell them yeah. you'll call back here in the middle. I of will the call them back. It's, it's right his now. wife. It is. Tell her. He might not be able tell to her do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so some of these is just like you have to consistently model yeah. it. And so, you know, the opposite of that, a lot of times, what do, what do kids see? They see hypocrisy yeah. in the home. And yeah. uh, why do they want to follow the Jesus of mom and dad if mom and dad yeah. are just being yeah. flaming hypocrites yeah. with what they're doing? And then the, the, and the flip side of that, I think Jesus is also in his humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, the disciples saw Jesus', huma- Jesus right. humanity. They saw his vulnerability. And I think a lot of times as parents, we th- we almost feel like this is impossible. Yeah. Because Jesus, we co- is God, but Jesus was also human. Mm-hmm. He had a human side to him, and he gave up the God card. And I think as parents, we have to be honest with our kids and say, guys, we do not have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Your dad is dysfunctional like anybody else. You're gonna see the good, the bad, and the ugly in my life. But at the same time, you do know. I'm following Jesus, mm-hmm. and I'm letting Jesus be the Lord of my life every day. Cool thing now, Travis and Tyler are 23, 22 years old, 21 years old, and they are in the Word every day. They'll be up in the morning doing their quiet time, and they're encouraging me now. That's mm-hmm. great. Wow. You know, my boys are in the Word. I'm a, i am got to keep doing this. You know, you know this is a, awesome. it's a conviction to me to hear this because um, I know that like in, in that particular aspect, I've done a good job of come and see. Um but in the follow me where like, okay, come alongside me. And instead of me really caring that I get exactly what I was wanting out of my quiet time this morning, let's, let's take it down to your level and let's do it together. And yeah. you know, we're going to have to do it like, you know, hmm. I'm, I'm much more, well, you see me do this, you need to do this, but like, I need to bring them along yeah. in some of these things until they get, yeah. and get their own legs yeah. strengthened under there. And I think that's important. And I think one of the ways that my wife and I have done that is we do a thing called read-throughs. Mm-hmm. And you you guys have both yeah. heard me talk about this mm-hmm. because I'm passionate about uh-huh. this. Um, but my boys have done read-throughs with me. Um, Snowy has done a read-through with Jen. Um, and uh, Chloe has not done one. She's done a little bit of one. But the three older kids have done this, and they know what that looks like, mm-hmm. and they've experienced it. And so they've been equipped to do this on their own now. That's great. Um because that's a part of their, it's become a part of their life because mm-hmm. they've seen it lived out and they participated. And I think what you said is very important. Yeah. So, um, the, how does the, how do you think the follow me and then the follow me fishers of men, how do you like, what are some examples of that in, in your, in your home? Well, let me tell you, my 18 month old is just leading every person in the nursery to Christ <laughs> all the time. He is an evangelist. Yeah, he is just passionate. <laughs> no, um, um, I can't speak from a further perspective um, than that as a parent, but I think one thing I, I can see is that what I notice in our culture is we have no problems challenging our students when it comes to other things. Huh. Uh, when it comes to sports, we uh-huh. push them super hard. When it comes to schoolwork, we push them. And these are we should be pushing our students, yeah. our, excuse me, our kids. I'm used to talking yeah. from a youth pastor perspective. Um, you know, my 18-month-old, I didn't want him to crawl the rest of his life. Right. I wanted him to walk. Yeah. Um, and I helped him do that, and he fell a lot. Um, but he got there, and he walked. And I think we've got to be able to, in a conversational way, mm-hmm. we've got to be able to challenge um, our kids and to show them the way, but also 
to let them discover the way. Yeah. And I think that's really scary as mm-hmm. a parent. I know it's really scary um, thinking about it with my little guy. And I think that's a huge, huge aspect of it. It's helping them discover it and embracing the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with our spouses, it can be awkward to pray out loud together sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't mean we don't do it. Right. So I think as a family, we have mm-hmm. to embrace the awkwardness. We have to be willing to push. There is no area of greater importance in our life mm. than this in our family yeah. so we need to understand that this is what we need to push the most yeah i think one of the things guys is is we have to learn to celebrate the process and not simply the results mm-hmm. um because you think about as a parent the, there's so many things in my house that i'm responsible for that are just so much easier to do if the kids are not in the way mm-hmm. um but as they're little and they want to help you with things like you know, sometimes you, you can't because you yeah. le- legitimately have to get it done. Yeah. But sometimes it's learning to stop expecting so much of myself. Stop expecting. Don't worship the altar of productivity because productivity and fruitfulness are, are two different things. Like yeah. you think about that from a standpoint of when you think of productivity, you think of a machine. Um, and a machine uh, will never reproduce itself. Like you have yeah. to build an assembly line and you can you can plug off machines, but they're not going to reproduce themselves. Yeah. So that's productivity. Fruitfulness. Now, how do you get fruit? You plant a seed, you water it, you know, you have to plow the earth, yeah. you wait and you wait and you wait. But mm-hmm. you know what? Like you will be dead and gone. And some of those seeds that you planted will bear fruit that bears fruit yeah. that bears fruit that yeah. bears fruit but yeah. it's like you got to celebrate the process because yeah. it might be a long yeah. time before you see that yeah. actual fruit and i think what christmas said is so true and i think a lot of that what happens in quote our church culture is we make taking that next step um to be from being a follower to being a fisher of men to, to doing that we 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 make it an event uh-huh and one of the things that my wife and I have challenged, and also it's easy because of what, what we do as, right. as in our ministry, but uh, what what we've done is we said this is it's not a it's not our event it's a lifestyle yeah it's a way of living life and I think that's what Jesus modeled for his disciples yeah that this is a way of living life you know as you go about your daily life you make disciples right so it's not well today we're going to do evangelism and so kids we're all going to go but no. Our neighbor next door, we're praying for his salvation, mm-hmm. or we're praying for so and so, and our kids see us doing this as a lifestyle, so they start taking that same lifestyle on. Right. And so we model that for our kids as well, and we live that out as a lifestyle. So living missionally, and anyway, Hank, you nailed it. The process, mm-hmm. um, it's all about the process. Yeah. And we celebrate the process because the results. That's not. That's not. We have a saying in Rain Ministries of Royal Servants. Um, you share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the process. Yeah. But you leave the results to God. Right. We have nothing to do with the results. Yeah. You know, that's up to God. But the, we enjoy and celebrate the process because that's the part that God gets to, let, gets to let us be a part of. Right. And so I think that's what we see Jesus doing with his disciples. Yeah. He really walks them through that process. And if you walk through this process, you know, you will bear fruit. Yeah. If the fruit is bare is something that God right. bears. You know, I was thinking that um, often, like in our context, that um, people think if they're going to, um, if I want somebody to come to Jesus, then I want to invite them to my church so that they can like see the church and hear great preaching and all of that. And maybe they'll come to Jesus. And uh, one of the ways with your children, uh, you know, there's like sometimes like just going out and sharing the gospel together is great. But, but other times it's like teaching your kids 
that your home is a hub for ministry so yeah. that, hey, let's invite over this neighbor family or even let's invite over like these friends and family, but we're going to serve them. Like, let's, how can we serve them? How can we, you know, do things in such a way to where they see Jesus in our family as we do? And this takes some coaching. Um, and I know, look, I've got, I've got three elementary kids and then one helpful kid in high school. So like sometimes it's fearful to want to bring <laughs> over people, but sometimes that come and see like you yeah. is... You need people to see your humanity yeah. that like we don't have it all together. Like the, what makes you a Christian is not that your family runs perfectly and you have it all together, but that Jesus is the center of your life and he's who gives you hope yeah. even when you don't have it all together. Yeah, that's so true. Yep. I think too, one last thing. I know we talk about the linear method uh-huh. of the four chairs. This is one, two, three, four. Um, but honestly, and there's a portion in the book, if I remember correctly, it has a picture of the chairs four chairs around one table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that is really, I think, the essence of how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're supposed to have someone in your family, you know, that's in that goes back and forth between chair three and chair four and is modeling the way. Right. Um, at the same time you have a kid who maybe doesn't even know Jesus yet yeah. and they're just coming and seeing what is the table look like yeah. to follow Jesus. And so I think in any method, it's really easy to get caught up in sure. the method. Right. But it's really about it's about Jesus yeah. and relationships. You know, and, and reality is a lot of these homes, one spouse is sincerely trying to follow Jesus. And sometimes a spouse and a kid or a spouse and a couple kids and, and understanding that you're modeling that come and see to that spouse who is either apathetic or yeah. uh, unengaged yeah. w- with God. So, yeah. mm-hmm. guys, this is uh, obviously like you're not going to figure all this out in listening to a 20 minute talk. <laughs> Um, if but you do, let us know. Yeah, yeah. If you do, yeah. you can write yeah. the book. And, um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's it's so encouraging and challenging that we have so much opportunity in our home um, to to mentor and 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 just guy, parents as you're listening, closing on that. A lot of times, you know, when we look around and we're taking stock of our life and like, well, who do I have to mentor? And people feel bad that they don't really have anybody because they're looking at a peer. But the people that you have the most um, similar relationship to with Jesus are really the people that live in your house. Because Mm -hmm. the disciples that Jesus made, he ate with them, he slept with them, they they had to do menial tasks. Sometimes they had to go fishing together. And, you know, who knows, maybe they joined Jesus on a carpentry trip at some point or another. So be encouraged that God has given you a ready-made group to... um, to kind of stumble through discipleship with sometimes. Um, but even in the stumbling, when you get to seek forgiveness from your kids, mm. that's another big bonus in there as well. So yeah. guys, thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you, uh, you come back cause it's, it's definitely more interesting for me to, to, um, be challenged on some of these things and even sharpened in how I parent myself. Any final thoughts that you might have? Uh, love your kids. I think it's the most important thing. Yeah. I think model for them. You know, follow Jesus and let them see what that looks like in your life. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. This stuff was challenging for me today, and maybe it is for you as well. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the book, Four Chair Discipling by Dan Spader. I've got a link to it on the letsparentonpurpose.com website under today's uh, blog heading. 
This is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. You are not going to be a thriving parent unless you're involved in a local church. It's just not going to happen. So get a church family. And if you're on the Treasure Coast, we'd love to have you guys come visit with us. Um, if you have any questions for me, you can email me at jay at covenantfellowship.com. And if this has been a blessing to you, then I ask two things. One is to go on and rate it and review it in whatever thing you do. And the other is to share it with one person this week. All right. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't forget that. Don't give up. We'll talk to you soon.